you're just picking up these little nuggets from a football coach here and a track coach here. And the best programs in any sport that I've always been a part of has always had one to three kids on that team where it's a two-way street between them and the coach where they can come sit down in the office and feel comfortable enough in their own skin and in that head coach's office to say, hey, this is what's going on. Welcome to the Jamoti Podcast. We are all surrounded by amazing coaches and leaders. So let's get an inside look at not just what they do, but how they do what they do. After all, becoming the best versions of ourselves is Jamoti, just a matter of doing it. Today we are joined by the head boys basketball coach at Liberty Christian School, Preston Nadolski. Coach Nadolski is entering his 16th year of coaching overall, six as a head coach. He's previously been at Melissa, Colville Heritage, and McKinney North High School. At Liberty, Coach Nadolski has 96 wins and led the Warriors to a district championship in 2022. He was also named District Coach of the Year in 2022. Before we hear from Coach, take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at Jamoti Podcast. There, we go. there he is. Hey, how's it going? What's up, man? How are you? Pretty good. The beard game is strong right now. Yeah, off-season beard here. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. How are you? And I'm doing all right. And first, I just want to thank you so much for uh, giving up your time. I've really appreciated your friendship the last few years and getting to kind of know you better as a person, but then really admired the way that your teams at Liberty Christian play. And I think, and I like the way that you do things. So this is, uh, I'm, I'm excited to get to learn more about you and your your coaching. Yeah, well, man, I'm, this is an honor to be asked. And like I said, I hope I can provide something, something useful. I don't know if I will or not, but I appreciate it. And uh, I think I may have told you this last year, these listening to the the podcasts is it's been like overwhelming for me because last year I think it was last year maybe it was you've been doing this for two years now two years now man yeah, yeah so I guess it was two years ago I think it was when you just started and I was listening to everyone and writing notes down and then then I just had a big pile of stuff I was like no there's no way I'm gonna get to any, like That's through right. all this and so I've tried to be a little bit more uh pick and choose about what I write down and try to take from it. But it's it's just been a joy to listen to it. And so, like I said, I don't know if I'm going to say anything that hasn't already been said or is even half as good as the other guests you've had on. But um. Well, first of all, I think you're being too humble. Uh, I, I I learned something from, from every talk. Uh, so I, I know that that'll happen. I appreciate you saying that about the, the episodes. It's been a ton of fun and this is a part of season four, which I'm really excited about. Uh, again, the motivation is to some, you know, the D1 guys and things like that's that's fun to talk to them, and they have some good stuff. But a big part of it was highlighting coaches like yourself, uh, like me, uh, you know, like like guys at the high school level that unless you win state and you get invited to TABC to speak, yeah. you know, you don't normally have a, a platform to share the cool things that you do and. And uh, again, knowing how you guys play, the success that you've had, and uh, just getting to to know you a little bit better, I I can't wait for this. So, uh, and and I also get what you're saying too on the it's just too much. I mean, in these kind of modes, when I'm recording a ton of these episodes, uh, yeah, it's overload. And I told my wife that the other night. I was like, I just my head kind of hurts. One, I'm not very smart, but two, it's like. There's just so many good things. It's like, what what all do I actually take? What do I use? But I think that's the art of it is 
everybody has good stuff, but you can't do everything. And so you have to choose really, okay, for my clientele, for the way that I love to play and for how we do things, this can work or else, or that's really good. And I wish I could, but I just don't have the bandwidth for it. I think, I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. I think that's probably the growth of a coach of a mature coach is figuring out what can fit to what he does and what he can use versus what is just going to make things too complicated and, and just overload. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like that in anything. I mean, you could think nutrition, you could think supplements, you could think like uh, I, I, I really try to research sleep because I don't sleep well, and you know I might listen to one guy that says you you got to do a little bit of magnesium three and eight at night uh, with a little L-theanine, and then another guy will say, well, you need some NAC, you need some other stuff. It's like yeah. obviously I can't. I don't want to have a list of 20 things that I'm taking before <laughs> and you're losing sleep thinking about That's if you right. took the right stuff. That's right. Or, or who, who else knows what I'm doing, but workouts the same way. Yeah. Like there's tons of good plans out there, but you can't do them all. You can, your workout can't be three hours long. Right. And so uh, I do think that's the, what's comfortable, what works within what you're already doing. What can you add that doesn't take away a lot of time? Uh, I think that's maybe the, the art of it. I think uh, coaches are constantly, and we talked about it at the beginning, learn, listening to podcasts, watching documentaries, reading books, you know, trying to get better, going to clinics. And and so we're we're borrowing things. We're adding things to our bucket. What's something that you've borrowed lately? Uh, so this year I've started listening to the uh, B-Ball Immersion podcast. Oh, yeah. Along with yours. That's those are probably well, the two that I listen to as far as basketball goes. I listen to theirs first. That's you know, those uh, guys are awesome. And so uh, the Joe Crispin one. I don't know if you heard that one. And that I, I haven't me, yet, I'm, but okay. Well, that's going to be right up your alley, knowing the yep. way that you like to play. And uh, I mean, it's just all offense, and um, it's sort of different than the way I grew up as an assistant coach. I grew up for some defensive, you know, as an assistant, some really defensive-minded coaches, and. Uh, and so to listen to that, just the complete other end of the spectrum um, was eye opening. And the thing that I'm really taking, I listened to it early in the year, but that I'm using in my off season right now that he talked about was he loves three on three in his open gyms. And so uh, I've always kind of been, hey, let's open gym and five on five and get guys playing and, uh, you know, cutthroat maybe or have two games going, loser court, winner court, all that kind of stuff. But so we've been doing a lot more three on three and we do the FIBA rules. So it doesn't nice. stop. It just it's um, active. And I think and this is what he's talked about. He's he's saying especially the younger. And so um, the, with our middle schoolers, you really start to see, OK, this guy has some IQ. This guy understands how to cut without the ball. He understands how to anticipate uh, where a pass is going defensively, what's going to be open. And then the other thing I like about it, too, as far as development goes, you can't hide. Yeah. And three on three. And you have, even if if you're talking to a kid, you know, for both of us, especially in our sub varsity and our middle school grades, we get kids that don't have a lot of background in basketball. But well, we don't want to, you know, run them off early, right? We want to try to develop them. And so for kids like that in a five on five game, they're going to, they may not have any impact on the game. They may just be getting some cardio in. And in a three on three, they will a lot of times organically find ways to impact the game, either rebounding or setting screens or talking. And then when they come off, you can, as a coach, just talk to them. Hey, 
what are you, what are you doing out there? How are you helping the team win? Like, okay, how, what can you do? Uh, that kid can really shoot it. How can you get him open? How can you, you know, get him the ball and things like that? And so um, they can't hide. It makes them get better. And because they're going to be in three on three, they're going to impact the game and for good or for bad, they have to find a positive way that they can impact. And then, so that's been great. And then the, I love the FIBA rules too, just because there's not checking the ball. I mean, we're just yeah. going. So you get, and you get more games in. If you are, if you do have a, a group sitting out, they're going to get right back in. It's not going to be long. We usually do the Elam ending. Um, although I think there is value sometimes to doing it on a clock and just understanding and like, you know what, we don't have a shot clock in our league. Another topic for another day. Yeah. But understand the <laughs> clock. Like today we're going to play with a clock. Let's see how you, is that changed the way we do this at all? Yeah. And then just see if they change the way they play at all or if they, if they don't. And, um, and so it's really, it's fun to just watch. Uh, I play with them. My assistant coaches play with them too, you know. And so, um, do you still hoop, man? Uh, I don't know that I ever could really hoop, but I'm, <laughs> I'm probably actually. Uh, I don't haven't gotten much worse, but I don't know if I'm, I'm any better. So, um, but you don't get injured or hurt after. I mean, like like a couple of days um, later, just all of a sudden you you sneeze and your back goes out. No, I haven't gotten that point yet. I'm okay. about to turn 41 in about a week, but I did the last time I played in an actual league. Um, it was five years ago. I was playing in a men's league, and I got a steal, and I go up for a layup, and a guy, like a 260-pound guy, just undercuts me. So I was like, okay, from now on, I don't jump. There's no more <laughs> strong finishes for me anymore. <laughs> but we have a staff versus uh, kids pep rally game. That's a ton of fun. Oh, that's cool. That's undefeated. I'm going to make sure – got to keep that going. And uh, You better – It goes into my getting, interviews when I, when that's I ask right. interview assistants. Your staff better be young. <laughs> And they can hoop to keep that yeah, going because we're going to start to really pull the games down. Um, <laughs> no, I love the three on three approach. And you're right. Like we do, we do just a, a two times a week, just an open gym look with five on five. And uh, part of it is, is to really for me to step away and to let them um, experiment. You know, really, in like, call it the laboratory experiment. There's no stops. I'm not coaching. But you're right. Uh, a, a guy without a lot of skill or without a lot of experience can sometimes not even touch the ball. You know, it's with older guys that just know and they can create. And or there's four guys that play together, one guy that has it. It just it's very easy and defensively too, they can guard somebody else that's similar. And so right. they're really not getting two points as cardio doing? three on three is great for that. You you can't hide the space as just a, a big dimension to it. And I like, I love the FIBA rules, but it made me think of, it's a great way to, and basketball immersion is awesome with this, the constraints approach, yeah. you know, you can teach concepts, without actually having to three on zero them just by a constraint. One thing we did in PGC that I really liked was every pass had to be caught behind a three point line, unless it was a cut that, re that resulted in the catch in the paint. So what it got was after I, you know, maybe drove to the paint and kicked, I can't just stand in there. I've got to get out and move. You have nobody standing inside the three-point line just in that, you know, no man's area because they know they have to receive the ball outside the three. It just instantly creates the space that we want, but just yeah, also, with one rule, and that's really good. You're also not going to jog your cuts anymore. Yep. Because there's no point, you know, you're going to have to cut hard or there's no point to cutting. And 
Yeah, and we do that too. And so we've done that in practice with like just setting up advantages and then, you know, letting them go. We do that in our five on five. But yeah, with three on three, the other thing that you just I discovered too is you will, will watch the kids do what you'll find out what they do well. Sometimes that you wouldn't have if you're putting your own practice on. And so, um, you know, we haven't traditionally um, done a whole lot of ball screen stuff. But then, you know, there may be a kid that maybe he's a new kid to move in and he's calling for ball screens and he's reading it right, you know, every time. And yeah, I was watching the, the Lakers game last night. Austin Reed is just every decision off the ball screen. And it's like, OK, well, let's let this kid. This is something that we can do for him, you know, and then uh, and then you're right. We can even say this game, uh, every possession start with a ball screen, every possession start with a pin down or, you know, yeah. and so, um, you know, we can do that. But I, I'm like you this time of year. We kind of let them go, and then I learn from them. And then when they come off, I may just say something to them and try to highlight a strength of something they're doing and then one weakness or something they could be doing differently. And um, I don't even – I try not to do it from, like, the head coach perspective, but just from, hey, I just saw this. That was a, a great cut. You need to cut more. Yeah. Like, you know, they're going to find you if you cut hard, things like that. So I like yeah. that. Yeah, the three on three. And then, I, I you know, I listen to yours, and I follow them on Twitter, uh, Alex. Sarama, so uh, the podcast you did with him. And so he's really big, I know, on Twitter with all the side side games. Yeah. Or the um, special situation games, things like that. And uh, and so we've done a lot more of that over the last year, too. And just – And with the way that you guys are playing now, you know, with uh, getting up and down more, playing in transition, I mean, what you really want is just to create habits in your players that they can instinctively do – where they don't have to look over at your shoulder. They there. There's never a point that says, "Man, what should I do in this moment?" They they know because, and I, I do think three on three, four on four, and then some versions of five on five can really lead to that the, that type of decision making from your guys. Right, and that's what you know the the idea as far as in my mind going forward as we move through the summer when we can start coaching them again in, in leagues and things like that, and then is all right, let's take all these things that we worked on in three-on-three. Three. You, Hey, you were great, Matt, at this in three-on-three. Three. How do we, How does that translate to this five-on-five five situation? When when will we have that situation for you? And then um, and then just setting up, okay, hey, we have two guys on the weak side. What are you, We have a three-on-three three game going over here on the strong side. What do you two guys need to be doing? Are you all exchanging? Are we, you know, are we cutting? Are we pinning, pinning down? What are we doing? Stagger over here. And so then we just add that piece to it. And then – it creates a three on three situation out of it, you know, with it, with an advantage, hopefully somewhere. Yeah. I, I think too, it's uh, and you mentioned a little bit ago about this time of year, you know, in the spring, it, it being a little bit different than in season. And I, I kind of think that's important. You know, you and I are at the same size school where we have some guys that, you know, there's that idea of they like it, they love it, they live it. Yeah. Majority of my guys like it. I hope so. A couple, some of them love it. Very few live it, right. you know, where where it just all they do. And so, knowing that we have those different levels of players, uh, if our spring completely mirrors, uh, it's the same as in season. I don't know. I think there's a time for fun. I think there's a time while still working hard and trying to achieve some goals and get better. Three on three is fun. Uh, you know, the the way I'm letting the guys play pickup and our scoring and the way we finish each game and, you know, that the way that we're using skill work to try like you to try to tie into some concepts like it's fun. But then I also take the approach of 
all right, I, I've transitioned to the under skill coach this time of year. That doesn't mean I'm still, we're not, our culture is still there. I'm still holding them accountable, uh, but we're not really talking about next year. We're, and I'm trying to put them in situations and skill development where I don't know exactly what they run at their, their select practices or with their teams, but I know this skill work will help them there. So instead of it's just all geared towards faith basketball, which is eight months away at this point, you know, it's it's actually helping them get better individually with the ball. And that's why uh, that Michael Lancaster stuff, in my opinion, is so big. And he talks about his skill work. It's it's uh, 100% skill, 0% game. So it's it's really no game situations at all. It's all about can they get lower, more dynamic. But then when you add in that three-on-three approach to where they're they're learning some things on the fly or uh, you're getting to learn from them like, oh, they're really good at this. Actually, they can handle this. I think that helps us for the future. Yeah, it's a great way for me too to evaluate those guys that were on JV last year, yep. eighth graders last year, and I haven't seen as much. And and I tell them, I kind of look at it this way, is the spring is time to be selfish. You know, like, hey, take it. You're open, man. Shoot it. You know, and then and then in your own skill development. It's also time to hold, look in the mirror. What are you bad at? What are you good at? You know, we have exit interviews at the end of the season. And the springtime's really working on that. Um, you know, we use summertime around here, too, is for conditioning. And then we play a lot. We do a summer league. It's, it's sort of back to now. Uh, now we're in a little bit of evaluating, too. We're trying to get better as a team, but we're evaluating you and how you handle different situations. And then in the fall, it's a little bit more of closer to, like, the season of, you know, the guys that we have that are in, in basketball of we're, we're here to work now, you know, it's, yeah. And so, yes, like you said, spring is a little more relaxed atmosphere. Everything we do, we have some non-negotiables about, about how you work, you know, and your effort level when you're on the court. But other than that, it's a pretty relaxed as far as restrictions and things go. And so, um, yeah, I definitely agree that as a coach, I think, you know, we talk, there's so much talk now about kids getting burnout from year round and select and private coaches and high school coaches and all that stuff. I think coaches can get burnout too, <laughs> you know? And so if I'm feeling like I've got to come up with a practice plan 10 months out of the year, I'm going to get burned out on it. Yep. And, um, and I'm going to get in a rut too. I'm going to get less creative. I'm not going to do new things. And, and so giving myself a break also is going to lead to hopefully to a better coach in November through next March. That's a great point. I mean, it's our improvement season too. That's mm -hmm. why you and I are having this talk, and that's why we are out there trying to learn new things. And and as as we want our players developing, we need to be doing it too. So again, instead of doing what we did in um, October through February with those guys, uh, all right, hey, this time of year we're going to get outside the box a little bit. We're going to get a little uncomfortable. As a coach, I'm going to get uncomfortable, and I'm going to teach some things. I don't know about you, I struggle sometimes to teach things that I never did as a player. You know, so I never Euroed. I never did that. And so I'm reluctant to teach it, you know, but I think just because I am not comfortable with it doesn't mean personally doesn't mean that I shouldn't be teaching it or I shouldn't be introducing it. You know, a drop is a, a, a type of footwork that we want our guys just to know, but it can't just be from one place. You know, Michael Lancaster talked about you have to be using like a thumbprint. You've got a you, when you do your thumbprint, you do all different types, you know, on your phone back in the day with iPhones. It's kind of the same thing with skill work. 
let's put them in all different types of situations with the same skill but different variations and i i just think that's what this time is for but to your point it's like culture doesn't change like we're still trying to be excellent it's just now it's not about faith basketball to your point it's a it's the individual and Mm -hmm. each of you taking this workout and it's not just here take it and do it other places and then i like what you said too about shot selection like the i want i want every monday and friday i'll watch our guys do and that we have the guns behind so if they're not playing they're shooting but they're playing the pickup is right here and i'm watching guys air ball threes shoot threes that in my head i'm like that's just i just i just don't know why they're shooting that but you know what like this is the time to do it yeah if i never say anything to him about that in the spring oh but but i'm making a mental note but i want to like (laughs) it's hard i'm like you know what obviously you're, you're like I really don't think good shooters should airball. It's rare if they do, you know. But if it's multiple times and day after day, and you got to think like, okay, at some point maybe you're hurting your team, but it, it is their time to like. I'm preaching. This is the time to experiment. This right. is the time to try things out. Their playing time is not dependent on what you do in skill work right now. What you do in pickup. Well, man, I can't say that. And then go right back around and say, hey, you know what? It's probably not a good shot for you. But here's like, you know what I like to see though in those situations? And this, um, I like to see uh, other guys, older guys, be the ones to say something about that. You know, hey, we're trying to win here. If we're playing three on three, why are you shooting that? Yeah. You know, or I've, I've just hit two and then you just took a tough shot when I just hit, you know, I'm open. Yeah. And I like to see how our players handle that interaction. And then I like to coach. I'm way more likely to coach a kid on, on, um, a better player on how they handle a, wor- a teammate that's not very good than I am to coach that worst teammate right now about a shot he took. And so, um, you know, we've we've had guys, one that I, I've used seems like a lot is because, you know, in small schools, if we're trying, if we are doing five on five, you're going to have some bad players playing with some really good players. If you're trying to make the teams even and all that kind of stuff for um, just old school pickup ways, you're going to have some bad players. And so if, if, um, Preston's terrible at basketball and I'm open and Matt throws me the ball and it goes through my hands and out of bounds, you know, and I see Matt and he's like yelling at, him, you know, catch the ball and all this stuff. And, you know, and then I'll pull Matt aside and say, hey, you think he really didn't know that he needed to catch the ball? Do you think that, like, do you think that you yelling at him is all right? So how can you handle that better? And then, you know, just here's how you instill confidence in him is you pull him aside and be like, hey, Preston, you keep getting open. I'm going to keep feeding. So you better be ready next time. Next time time you're open, I'm coming back to you again. So be ready to catch next time. And so, and just, and how you frame it. So that's the other kind of stuff I'm looking at, especially with returning varsity guys. And, um, and a lot of my guys to their credit have asked, they want to be better leaders. And so um, I try, those are the the moments, you know, I I tell them, I was like, look, I don't have, um, actually, I think you do. You have like a class that you teach on leadership, right? Or is that, (laughs) okay. I don't. I don't. Like, I don't have a textbook that we can like go through. Um, there's a million of them out there. And Unless you're lot. talking about AP Sound Study Hall that I teach every day where oh, okay. it's all about life and golden nuggets right now. There you go. So I would love that. But uh, and so I'm just saying, I'm like, they just those things happen organically. And I, when I look, there's just opportunities for leadership all around you all the time. And so I don't know when they're when they're going to be. But when I see them, I'll try to point them out to you. And so those little things. And so I tell them that ahead of time. So then when I pull him aside and be like, look, he can't catch. 
It's if it's it's your fault for throwing him the ball. <laughs> like you know, don't throw it that hard. Like, well, yeah, it's always the fault that. of the better player. Yeah, the, right. any turnover is always the fault of the better player. And so when you put that ownership on them, um, and I, man, that's a great nugget. And I I I didn't think about that before, but uh, I think another reason to in the spring in their their improvement season to take more of a an individualistic approach with what you're doing again uh liberty basketball ended two months ago you know may obviously the things we're doing right now is going to help us for the future no doubt but it's not about this set this defense this any, any of that uh it, or even a style of play as much as just concepts and training but it, what it does is it freezes it frees us up to also zoom out and what if in the spring we can help sidestep some landmines for next season because we're seeing lack of leadership at times or leadership that uh, is just a little misguided that we can bring them over. Because I think if we were focused on our practice plan or getting to the next thing and not taking these moments, the uh, maybe we'd miss some opportunities. And, I, and it's funny, I, I sit there in my chair watching them play pickup and you're right on the money. It's less and less about what they're actually doing action-wise. I celebrate a lot, and but then it's more about how they interact with each other. And I think I get to learn a lot watching them. Coaches, the Jamoti Podcast is powered by Bology. Manage and measure your players' skill development and increase accountability year-round utilizing the Bology app. Boost inter-squad competition with drills backed by the National High School Basketball Coaches Association, including a 40-shot Bology skills assessment. Please visit Bology.com teams for information on how you can provide this resource for your team. We get to learn from and, and listen to some great leaders. What, what's a one quality that you see in great leaders? Um, so and this is kind of cliche, I guess, but it's, it's communication and communicating in a way that's authentic. And I think uh, when I think about the times as a leader that I've failed, it hasn't been authentic. Hmm. It was me um, with just some, it was more emotional than it was, you know, or fake emotion even sometimes. And uh, and so I think, you know, the cool thing about our job is we're surrounded by leaders, whether it's our school admin, uh, whether it's student leadership that we see. Um, that's been the, one of the most impressive things about being here at Liberty Christian is you just see some students that are unbelievable in, in ministry and basketball and academic, um, some really incredible. And so you, I get to learn from them and then our teachers, other coaches on this campus. Uh, we've got a, a football coach pretty well known here, and I love to just watch him coach and just listen to him, just listen to his conversations, you know, in his office and things like that. And so, uh, I take a lot from all of that. Um, and so, but what I've seen is, and I also, as someone that considers myself obviously in a leadership position, as I'm in these situations in a meeting, I'm thinking, what is, this is either ineffective or this is really effective as I'm listening to an administrator or to another coach or to a student that's leading something. And so it's, I'm, I'm taking these mental notes of why is this not effective to me right now? Why am I finding myself as a responsible person that wants to hear this somewhat checking out, you know? And so yeah. I think that's, that's what I usually come back to is does this communication, whatever it is that they're telling me, whatever it is going on, does it feel authentic? Does it feel like they really mean it? Do they re actually really care um, about what they're saying right now? 
And I think uh, as good as I probably, because I do it all the time and I'm probably a little cynical as well, so are our kids. High school kids are the most cynical and they can see through the most. And so if you're not being authentic, they see through it. And uh, I've been really fortunate to have my first year here. I had a young man that was an unbelievable leader and I like I learned more from him hmm. as far as leadership goes than he ever learned from me. Hopefully I've taught him a little basketball along the way, but uh, just the way that everything, it was always positive, always positive. And he had a hundred percent credibility with every single teammate, every kid in our program. And uh, it was just amazing to watch, you know, I would call meetings, you know, with him, we'd meet once a week. And again, I was doing that selfishly to learn from him. <laughs> and then I would get the temperature of the locker room yeah. and then anything, any comments that I had, anything that maybe I wasn't liking or really liking, man, it went to the team and it was fixed. It was incredible. And so, um, uh, senior I had this year, Jimmy, I remember a couple of years ago when he was coming from JV to varsity and we were playing in a fall league game and I had a freshman and they're sitting on the bench. I had never made mention of this the entire year up to this point. I'd mentioned it in previous years with all our program and in, in season, but never mentioned it the very first time out <clears throat> in uh well, it must've been a summer league game. So it was the very first time out I'm talking to the team or maybe it was after the game even, I don't remember, but we're sitting there and I'm talking to him. And I have a freshman sitting there and he's looking off and Jimmy just, I just noticed it out of the corner of my eye, just quick elbow and just pointed towards me. And it was like, that's worth its weight in gold right there. You know, for a kid that's about to be a junior, hasn't even played a varsity season yet. And so that to me is just natural, organic communication. The kid understood immediately what he was saying right then. I never once had, had done the old eyes on coach or everybody. Yeah. I hadn't said that yet. And he just did it automatically. And so it's those little things like that that I think are uh, that really good leaders that have that authentic communication, you know, just naturally almost. Yeah, a lot of good nuggets there. For uh, one question I had about you know the 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 player leaders you're talking about, where did that come from? Because you had said that you really hadn't taught you you know it was when you're first getting there you hadn't really talked a lot about that or. Uh, is it is it just something that they had? Did it come from their parents? And like, did they did you ever have that conversation with them? Yeah. So, in um, we had a uh, when I was at McKinney North High School, that's where I was before here. So I worked for Daryl Craft. You know him well, um, and totally different type of personality is yeah. from me. But I learned a ton from him and the way he holds kids accountable. And then there's a uh, a track coach there too. Uh, Melvin Crosby, you probably know him, maybe. I don't know. He's uh, And just the way that he would talk to kids and develop and just constantly asking them, what is what would a leader do in these situations? How would a leader handle this? What would you expect? And so um, I had those conversations with the young man I was talking about earlier, Matthew, in his first year. But and And then as I'm asking these questions, I'm mentally writing down his responses. Yeah, that's really good, Matthew. Yeah, I've got to remember that. You know? and, so, and uh, yeah, so his dad was a former military officer in the military. I mean, he definitely incredible parents. His mom was a, a elementary teacher here. Um, so surely a lot of it came from him. The school, I feel like Liberty does a great job developing leaders. He was one of those kids that was a Liberty lifer. Mm. And so the, the the training that we do here, I think to our our students from the time they're in kindergarten all the way through um, it's a consistent message they're getting 
for 13 years. Yeah. And so I think he was in a, an embodiment of that, you know, and, and a result of that as well. And then, uh, you know, hopefully I have some something to do with it as well. Like I said, I think for me, a lot of it is just that reminding of, hey, you know, you said you you wanted to be a leader on this team. This was an opportunity. How are you handling How What are you doing to take advantage of this opportunity? I think it's really impressive that you bring those guys in, talk to them, but not not just give that. I think a lot of coaches would bring, you know, their leaders in or players that they trust in, and tell, hey, this is what I need. You know, I need you to go talk. I need, but to actually bring them in and get their input. You, you mentioned something like knowing what the pulse is or so whatever of the team like that. That is, I mean, that to me, that information is huge. Knowing actually what we think the direction of the team is, but knowing really what the direction is and how they're feeling. I mean, you and I, we're the same age. I don't know about you. I recognize now and feel the difference between where as a 41 year old to them. And so we might think everything's great, but man, having those leaders that you trust and empowering them, enabling them that when, when you talk to them, what they tell you matters that you're actually listening. I don't know. I think that's a rare quality that you have. The best, the best programs I've been a part of. Um, and I, you know, I kind of came up through the old-fashioned middle school coaching, public school where you coach every sport and all that. And so um, I've been a part of some state championship football programs and some state tournament basketball programs. And the, and the all along the way, you're just picking up these little nuggets from a football coach here and a track coach here. And um, the best programs in any sport that I've always been a part of has always had one to three kids on that team where it's a two-way street between them and the coach where they can come sit down in the office and feel comfortable enough in their own skin and in that head coach's office to say, Hey, this is what's going on. You know, maybe it's, this kid is not doing what you're asking him to do. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing off the court. He's not, you know, out of the, outside of school or it's hey, the guys are, are not happy about this. And I kind of feel like, you know, they have, may have a point here, you know, and yeah, so, yeah. and they're comfortable enough to say that to the coach. And so, uh, I've been fortunate enough to have a few teams here that way where I've, I've had that relationship. And then at McKinney North, Melissa, places I've been to see enough of that to to understand that that is so valuable. And it's um, you can't put a, a point differential on that. Like you just the health that it proves the health of the culture so much to be able to have that relationship. And you don't have to have it with everybody on the team. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it can be different year to year, but but just there needs to be some form, open line of communication um, where the kid feels comfortable about calling the meeting and then where he's also OK with being called out as the leader, you know. And so, um, yeah, I, I can't put a, a value on that. I think it comes down to like your self-confidence as a coach. I, I think early on at Faith. I was trying to show confidence and maybe I was confident in, you know, some of the skill work aspect or shooting, but within team dynamic and culture and the vibe of the team, I think I wanted to always show that I had the answers, but it was really masking insecurities on my part. And then I don't know, somewhere along the lines, maybe it just happens. I think some coaches naturally have this, the self-confidence to really ask their players for their opinion because it's it's showing vulnerability that you know you're interested in their their opinions 
you might have an idea of the direction to go, but you don't know 100%. I think that's sometimes scary for, for coaches. I felt that way too. But when you, you, when you, at that, at some point, when you get that self confidence in one, I don't know everything and that's okay. And I really want to know what they think. And if, but for, in order for me to get that information, I've got to ask them and I've got to open up and be vulnerable. And then even harder when they do have a suggestion, really think about it. And, and, and like you said, Beth, the very authentic in communication, like not just look, oh, that's great. Sure, 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 sure. You know, <laughs> really listen to them and, and actually put things in, you know, to a point where in games or in practice, um, we, we consider, we consider what the, the suggestions they're making. I just think that takes a lot of, I don't know. I just go down. I just go back to maybe self-awareness, self-confidence uh, that you that you seem to have. You got to have humility too. I think is a part. Yeah, of it. yeah. You know, and if you're if you're overly prideful, then that's gonna you know that's gonna lead to failure in my opinion, especially in that way. And and the kids will see that too. And and so if um, you know I'm. We try not to even saying this almost feels like I'm taking credit or whatever, but I'm always trying to to not take any credit for anything that goes on. You know, with the team. I'm just so humble and I'm really yeah, proud exactly. of myself. Yeah, for even how saying humble. that exactly. But, it, <laughs> but all right, you Moses, in, you do have to be intentional about it. Yeah. And so it's, even though it feels prideful to say I'm, you know, intentionally being humble in this moment, which is feels ironic, but um, you do have to be intentional about it. And so, um, you know, you. Like you said, I can tell that kid tomorrow, hey, you know, I thought about what you're saying. Look, and we're, we can't do it. We're going to keep doing this. Is We're going to keep doing this because this is what's going to work. And you guys are going to just have to buckle up. And that's the way it's going to be. Um, but I, I feel like I have to feel like he and I have that relationship to where when I say, you know what, I thought about it, that A, I really did think about it. And B, that he understands that, yeah, coach really thought about it. I trust that coach did, you know. You know, I think this might even be leading to your next question, but it sort of leads to the whole, uh, you know, fitting the style of players, the players, the style and things like that. And I give, you know, I use some of the spring for that, like we talked about earlier. I'm like, okay, you know what, this, uh, this style is not going to work for this group of guys. And so um, there's, there may be something better. And um, I think back to, I came from McKinney North, where we were four out, one in, dribble drive. And it was always, um, okay, well, this year, He'll be in that role. You know, you're looking ahead to your guys and these fit in these in these spots and things like that. And um, I tried to do that here my first year to a varying degree of success. Huge jump from where they were before I got here. But um, and then as we moved on, I guess my third year, we just took a look and looked at the success we were having, the games that we won, the games that we lost, what's working, what's not working. And we just had a team meeting. And I had I had a group of kids that were extremely comfortable having those conversations with um, were very thoughtful kids cared about winning above all else. Not one of them cared who got any credit for any of it. They only wanted to win. And so we had that talk about, listen, I think in our district, you know, we were with Midland Christian and that's when they had uh, Vinzant. And I said, if we, if we want to be district champions and that's what you guys say, I, I believe the best way to do that for us is going to be to play really slow. And <laughs> And it was hard for me to even suggest it, but it was because, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, we hadn't done it. I know Kraft, you know, at McKinney North had done that in situations. And so I learned from him um, how to do it and implement it. But it wasn't something that I'd ever really done before. And so uh, we 
this was at about, you know, during the Christmas break that we made this decision. And uh, so they had questions. We talked about it. We asked, now, what does this mean? Or is all we're always going to play slow? Are we holding the ball? What is exactly? And so we just kind of laid out different scenarios. And then they just 100% bought into it mm. because they knew that I was only doing this from a perspective of you. We got a bunch of seniors in here and want to be district champions. And this is what's going to help us get it done. And so every one of them pushed their ego aside. They knew it was fewer possessions, fewer shots, um, but they didn't care. And then we won the district championship and we did it. And there were times we actually did hold the ball, which is not, you know, it's not one of my like proudest moments or anything, yeah. but I don't think, you know, our, our whole thing was, listen, Joseph and Zan is better than all of you. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. so the, only, the best way to beat him is for him not to have the basketball. And so we, I felt like we kind of had, they had the best player by a long shot, but maybe we had players two through six. And so we can play keep away from him. Um, and then, you know, but then we would say when he checks out of the game, we're full on. We got to get as many possessions as we can yeah, and yeah. get back in. And then, um, so anyway, they, they understood that we did it. Um, you know, when we had some easier games in our district play, I let them open up and play a little bit more. And we let guys get a lot of, you know, numbers and things like that. But, um, but yeah, it just goes back, you know, into the whole communication with the kids. There's I'm not every team I had would have bought into yeah. that, you know, just because we didn't have that relationship. We didn't have that communication. Obviously you, yeah, you had set up some pretty, uh, a pretty special environment for them to, to feel that trust for that with you to really let you know how they felt. I think, I think players asking why is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, sure. uh, every Thursday we do yoga right now. Uh, yoga hoops. It's a 20 minute workout. They love it. And, and, and then we take a, about a three or four minute break before we shoot free throws at the, it's, we have chapel that day. So it's a shorter day anyway. Um, and I take that three or four minutes just to check in and see how are things going. But then more importantly, what are your thoughts? Like mm -hmm. what, what changes do you, I mean, we've been working on load ups right now. I mean, attacking at somebody, raising that hip up, bringing the ball to my pocket. And then ultimately we land in a drop. But from that one load up move, golly, you can do a lot of things. But, you know, I get excited about it. I think it's interesting in that it'll really help them if they add it to their tool but tool belt. But I kind of want to know what they think. Like, Coach, honestly, like I'm not <laughs> – it's a waste of time. You know, they've never said that. But if they did, I mean, I would think I'd, – I'd take it into consideration. But I think when, when those kids ask why, it forces us to really know the answer. Like, we really need to know why we're doing what we're doing. How many times do we do things that, well, I don't know, Coach Kraft did it. Coach Watson did it yeah, at McKinney. Yeah. My high school coach did it. Uh, you know, and and honestly, guys, that that's uh, we're not going to do that anymore. I, had a, I was talking to a coach the other day that uh, Jeff Evans that said, uh, you know, we're not going to we don't do movement prep at all. We do some things to get a moving, but we just don't need to do it. You know, but it's it. I, I don't know. I. I as soon as he said that, I thought, oh, man, I just feel injuries coming. But I, I think that why is, isn't is bad, and and then ultimately it makes us – it really puts the ownership back on us to either we have a good reason and we can communicate that effectively, or we don't. They, they've called us on it, and maybe there's a better way. Yeah, I love it when kids ask that. Now, sometimes I tell them, like, 
you know, let's talk after practice. Maybe right in the middle of the drill is not the best time to ask, but mm. you know, yeah. No, that's just, I mean, those those yeah. conversations, just like the ones you talked about having this spring with how players communicate, that's important too. Like uh, uh, Mike Neighbors talked about, he gives out a list of his pet peeves to players before the season. And, and they have to, you know, they have to read all the things that he can't stand. Well, you know, I, and, I, and it's, but then he does the flip too. He lets yeah. them write things. What's well, their pet peeves as players? And it's up to him and his staff to do their very, very best to honor that. Yeah, I had a kid that would love to come in in the middle of the school day, stop by my room, and he wanted to see the practice plan. And he's like, I like to know what drills we're doing. I'll talk to the other guys, get them ready, you know. So, and I loved that. And I thought that was oh, awesome. Yeah. And, and he would ask, you know, and he would say, Hey, we haven't done this in a while, you know. And I mean, it was, it was awesome. I love that, you know. Coach, they are, they're they're co-creators of the culture, and I just I know for a fact that you and I haven't scored a point in all of our years of coaching, and so we really do want them to be on board and all in. Obviously, uh, it, here's one thing Coach Tang really helped me with with a video that he put out early this year about winning, and he said everything we're going to do is going to lead to winning, yeah, and if and if it awesome. doesn't, then we're not going to do that thing. And if you're not about it, I, I, I think if if your players know that in parents, all oh, parents tend to throw that out when they're disgruntled, that it just seems like you're all about winning. Well, obviously, there's more. <laughs> there's more to it than that. Like we're building them up as young men. We're dealing with life lessons, but in, in a sports uh, uh, environment. But every decision we make, should lead to winning and if it does they deep deep down they'll they trust that i think they respect that sometimes winning means that little timmy's not going to play very much right. and it might be difficult for him at that point but the rest of the players will know that man and, and i think that's what we talk about we're up front with like listen i this is a system of play that i love and but I also feel like it's going to lead to winning. That's what you did when when you felt like this isn't a style a deep down that I love, but this is going to lead to winning. Players got on board with that. Uh, when you go with it to a style of play, and I've done that before, where it just seems to be all about maybe scoring points or shooting a certain amount of threes, and winning is kind of off to the side. Man, I I I saw their trust erode in those moments, and so. It doesn't really matter what style that you choose, whatever you love, they need to believe that it's going to lead to winning. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, it goes back to the having the relationship. You know, I think this of just the two way street of communication. So if you have that, you know, if you build it and build it, build it, when you get down to that critical kind of juncture in our season right now of what, what are we going to be when these games really start counting, there was complete trust in the room. You know, if we were trying to build trust at that moment, it would have been a disaster. Coaches, the Jamoti podcast is powered by Shoot360. The future of basketball has arrived in Dallas-Fort Worth. Shoot360 combines the latest sports technology with the fundamentals of basketball skill development. The result is a -a one-of-a-kind video game-like basketball program designed to improve your shooting, dribbling, and passing. Visit Shoot360DFW.com to learn more and register for your free one-hour workout evaluation. Shoot360, the future of basketball is here. You and I are at very similar uh, schools, say, same size, but the makeup too. Uh, I feel like there, there's a lot of similarities between Liberty and Faith. Uh, 
we both have two sport athletes. How do you balance that? How do you work with them? Uh, because I, I, I know as a younger coach, it was something that kind of drove me crazy when I see the football coach with his arm around our guys. And I didn't even think that way. Our guys, you know, very territorial. I've, I've matured so much. No, uh, no. What, how do you balance it? So I think my personal background helps a lot. I was, I played multiple sports growing up, even at the high school level, and then specifically all the way through varsity, my senior year, football and basketball. And I was actually a much better bat football player than I was a basketball. Really? But I just love, you know, just loved basketball so much more. And part of it was our football program I grew up in was not, I had three different head coaches in four mm -hmm. years. Basketball program, we were really good. And the same coach, um, the coach that came in, came in my seventh grade year. So went to his camp, builds relationship. And then we were just a really good, healthy program my entire time there. And so I would look forward to going to basketball, you know, and, um, but I loved playing football too. And like I said, I was pretty good at it. And um, so understanding that too. And then my background was during football season, I had my buddies and um, I think, you know, one of my high school teammates, Jason Pritchard, the year older than me. And he, so we had a couple of six, 10 kids. We had a six, six kid. We were really big. And, uh, but I would always hear from my other friends that like, Hey, listen, so-and-so is getting better. You're not going to have a spot you know, yeah. this is during football season. And I'm like, well, okay. Well, when football practice ended, I'm going home and I'm getting shots up, you know, yeah. and all, all fall. And then in basketball season, I'm hearing from all my football buddies, Hey, we're in here lifting. You're in there playing around with a basketball and we're all getting stronger and you're not gonna have your spot. Well, okay. After basketball practice, I'm going to go <laughs> lift, you know? And so just having my own personal accountability towards it. And, um, and then, and so just understanding that. And then the other thing was as a kid, I grew up in a small East Texas town. I was always just looking for a court somewhere like year round. Like that's my everlasting memory as a child of like, okay, this kid's dad works at this elementary school. I bet he can get me a gym. And next thing I know, I'm best friends with that kid tomorrow at school. Cause he might, <laughs> his dad might get us in the gym. And so I was always, and so I think about that and I think about the kids. Okay. Who out there, you know, was like me, they want to do both and what, I don't want to pressure them. I don't want to be the coach that's, hey, you know, you haven't been in the gym. I've been logging your hours. You know, you're over here doing this football stuff and all that. I'm not I'm not that way at all. I leave them alone. But I tell them, here's the opportunities. Tuesdays and Thursdays all fall. You know, you all don't have football meetings those days. If you want to get here, can get here at the same time you normally get here for your football meeting. The shooting guns are out. Gym's open. Basketball racks out there. Um, go get shots up. I don't want you running. I don't want you doing anything that's going to potentially – you know, mess up Friday night and or anything like that. Um, but the opportunity's there. I don't track it. I don't hold them to it. But um, I give them the opportunity because that's what I would have wanted as a, yeah. as a kid. So uh, the other thing, you know, like I said, I came through the middle school ranks where you coach football, basketball, track, and then I, I was at Melissa where I coached four sports as the varsity basketball assistant. And oh my goodness! But you know, we had huge overlaps of our season. Sadler and I are literally driving from a basketball tournament in Fairfield, renting a car to mule shoe for the state semifinal football game or to Sweetwater, you know, to play mule shoe. And so um, having that and understanding uh, coming through the small school of, of that way. And, um, and then I look at in McKinney North coach Kraft has done and you know, Jeff Clarkson's nephews. He's coached all three of them there at McKinney North, yep. all three of them, division one football players studs. Well, all three of them were first team, all district basketball players too, or better. And a part of that is the kid with great kids, great family. But Kraft gave them those opportunities in the summer. 
and they took advantage of him. They were in the gym as much as he would let them. And, um, and so that background, and then I think here at Liberty, we as a coaching staff do a great job of it as well. Um, you know, I eat lunch with the football coach and the baseball coach and the track coach every day. Um, and so we're, we're talking about the kids, you know, we talk about the, you know, and I, I do, I'll say, Hey, how's my guy doing? You know, and, and they know who I'm talking about. It's a Trey Turner was a basketball player and all that. And then they, they give me updates and things like that. And so uh, I just think that communication with the football coaches, um, I tell them, Hey, on Friday nights, I'm your biggest fan. You know, outside other than your two parents, I'm your biggest fan on Friday nights. So I'm rooting for you. And I always also make it a point to go at the football games. I'm going to go see my basketball player guys. I'm going to go see their parents and fist bump them. Or I may sit by them for a little bit. Wow. At the football game. Yeah. And they hear me cheering out loud for their kid or, you know, and um, and so just to make sure they understand that they have my support to do those things, to, to participate in those other sports. And then um, and then I think it just goes back to what we just talked about, builds trust. And, um, you know, I, and, you know, I think basketball, we have it the toughest because we have to wait on football season. We got to wait on football kids. And then, you know, here I will always almost have one or two guys that are baseball guys, too. And, you know, baseball season is like basically our district season. They're already yep. starting. Yep. And so some of those guys maybe are pitchers and they want to go do long toss and get their arm ready for when they transition to baseball. And then track, you know, those kids, things like, so we're the only sport, I guess, soccer as well, where, you know, we're getting, we're having to wait and then we're having somebody trying to take our guys early, you know, and in their ears early. And so the other thing I do is I just address it early on with the other sport coaches, uh, with our parents, especially not just the parents of those kids, but the parents of our straight basketball kids too. And I tell them, you know, I knew this year we were going to have a good football team. I could just see it from the summer and the offseason, the work that yeah. the football team had put in and Coach Witten had done. I knew they were going to be good this year. And I told at our basketball meeting, I said, listen, our basketball season, I mean, excuse me, our football season is going to go to Thanksgiving at minimum. And especially for our sub-varsities, we're really dependent on football guys. I don't know how, how you are, but Same. us having the team put together usually is not going to happen until football ends. And so I said, there's going to be a really tough transition when football ends. Uh, where guys' minutes are going to change. Um, there may be a football kid that thinks he's varsity, he's playing JV. You know, your kid may have been playing varsity. They may move to JV. But I said, we have to do what's in the best interest of our program down the road for district. And it might mean that I'm playing someone who right now is not as good as your son because he needs these minutes, and it's the only way we can evaluate. And we don't have time to have a – we're in the middle – you know, we're 10 games into our season, 14 games into our season – I don't have time to have a full-on tryout for these football kids. So we have to throw them in there, see what they're capable of doing, and then we can start reeling them back and pulling them back. And then, you know, it's kind of like we got to take the puzzle apart, introduce some new pieces, and then try to put it back together where everybody fits, their minutes, their roles, what team they're on. And I tell them, and I was like, and guess, and a lot of y'all aren't going to be happy during that process. And there's going to be uh, parent group chats going on. Can you believe that so-and-so, he scored 10 points, and then this football kid came in, or or uh, maybe a football parent mad. Well, he was on varsity last year, and coach made him go play in a JV tournament and, you know, and things like that. And so I try to hit it head on. Um, I, I use the experience that I've had as a, both a, a kid and then as a coach coaching multiple sports. Um, and then I am respectful of those other sports too and those coaches and those kids and their families and then, 
And like I said, I think that just builds a lot of trust early on. Coach, there's a lot of gold there uh, and a lot to unpack and very convicting for me. I uh, realized that I haven't done near uh, the the good things that you've done to make it a better environment here. And I, I a lot of a lot of things that from that little talk right there that I'm definitely going to take away from it. Part of it is, I mean, your your experience and my experience are different. I, I play multiple sports up through eighth grade. Uh, swim was the last one. Uh, thankfully, my mom let me stop swimming after the season. Hated the speedo. Didn't want to do that. But I knew basketball is my thing. So in high school, and I was at a bigger high school, you know, with the colony. And so that's all I did. And coach, I wasn't athletic enough. Not once did the football coaches ever come ask me to come play football. So that's the that's how unathletic, you know, in high school. And so I just had a different perspective of uh, of a view of more individualization as for me, the way to become the very, very best version right. that I could. And so I think I think what that that has influenced me quite a bit, especially starting out at, at name and forest and at McKinney. Um, yeah, I probably did not create a very healthy environment for my multi-sport athletes here at faith though. And I feel like you're, you're the same way. Like I'm not at grapevine faith, uh, obviously not for the paycheck, but it's, it's, it's a bigger mission than that. And I love what the school represents. And, and if it was just about basketball, well, there's bigger places that you and I could coach. Um, but but there's there's something about being at, at these schools that we are. I never tell someone they should not play football. Right. You should not. Play. You guys, listen, you should only be basketball players. One, our numbers don't support that. We can't all have just individual sport kids or else. I don't know. There's probably only one sport that'll do well, you know, like and so we we need that. Um, I know that most of the time, I think when teams make deep run in playoffs or they win state, the majority of their good players are basketball, straight basketball players. So there's that kind of reality out there. But even though I never, I never tell them no. And and if a kid really loves football, like I'm going to support him. Like I'm going to ask him how his games. Like I I do that. I love the idea of going up to see parents because I wonder if they have thought in the past of like, oh man, here comes Coach Saban. Like you know he's mad at us deep down for playing football. I don't want them to feel that way. So that's a small thing. Um, I definitely haven't gone out of my way to build relationships with our football coaches and in our base baseball coaches kind of right next door to me here. So that that's a little easier. And I don't know about you. I don't, I like the, the basketball baseball mix because we get them first football basketball is a little harder, right. On our guys and programs sometimes. But um, one of the biggest nuggets that uh, really helped me our the last AD we had, he still works at our school, John Brooks. He texted us one day, and, and it wasn't directed at me, but I, I did take it to heart because I was going up to some of our players that played football and telling them like about the exciting things we had been doing in the gym. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I liked, I want I do believe that it wasn't out of a, you're missing out kind of tone or feeling more just like I know they love the game. I know they love this, man. Like today, man, we were doing some things with some med balls. And 
he had a point that for us not to tell them anything about what we're doing in basketball at that time. And, and at first I was like, why, what's the reason or point behind that? And he said, because we don't want them to feel like they're missing out. Like they're doing something wrong by investing in another sport. And that was man, eight years ago. That was the last time that I've ever done that. Like go up to a kid and talk about, so I, but I, there, there's, there is this, I, I believe there's a stigma here and that I don't want multiple sport athletes. And I'm, I thought I was doing like everything that I could mm-hmm. to try to help that. But I think you've raised some, some areas where like I do though, I, I, I warn, not warn, but let all the parents know, like we basically have kind of two tryouts, like, we're going to have this early on one. And then when the football guys come and I, I always sell it like, you know, Hey, this is a good thing. Like they're representing us there. So when they come out, we're going to give them a look, like we're going to do that. You know? And, and that, and I always tell parents like, that's fair. Would be unfair is if we penalize them when they come out, but well, yeah. all that to say, you, I think you, you've raised some really good uh, um, areas where I can grow. Well, we, you know, we point to it. Like when they take tours, of liberty that's one of the things that the admissions people tell them hey you know you have the opportunity to play multiple sports here and so i have to make sure that yeah. i honor that you know that I honor the people that are giving them the tour and the other thing i mean i can think of an instance um kid came from collegeville heritage up here as a sophomore and so um he had just toured and they reached out and talked and all this and so i, I just called coach hamrick so hey tell me about this kid and they told me hey he's a football he wants to come to liberty and play football and basketball so I call Coach Hamrick, and he's like, look, he could probably be a varsity player here in basketball next year if he didn't play football. And that was just the facts of his reality at Collegeville Heritage. Yep. That's the way it is there. And so a huge reason that he's here is to be able to do football and basketball. Yeah. And he runs track, and he's a great track kid. And so uh, that was two years ago, and he's had an unbelievable amount of success in all three sports here. And it's – it's all I brought this up at our at our banquet of like this is what we should we should be celebrating kids like this. And this is these are the kinds of kids that we should be, um, you know, a, like a Liberty graduate athlete profile almost, you know, of like, yeah, this is a kid that was at a, at a big school because you and I both have a lot of big and really good schools all around us, you know, um, but you can come to Liberty and do do this you know, be a uh, starting cornerback in football, lead the team in interceptions. He's got to hand it up. He, when he came here, basketball was his primary sport. He's going to go play football at Lamar now on a full scholarship. And so, but for basketball this year though, he's honorable mention all state, you know, it wasn't like he sacrificed one for the other that much. Obviously there's some sacrifice there has to be. And he's, but we, um, you know, he carried us down the stretch. We had a lot of injuries and he basically put us on his, on his back in the last week of the season, we had three must win games and, yeah. you know, he just wasn't going to let us lose. And so, um, and I think that some of that, his toughness and that mentality came from playing football, from running, being a 400 runner in track, running the 400 is one of the hardest things there is, you know, and just, you got to be tough to be really good at that. And that's so, right. Um, I think about uh, like, I think that's the kind of kid I want. Right. So yes, a sacrifice that he's not there in the fall that hurts. He is behind. We do now. He is one of the kids too that is around the team. Comes yeah. to our games. Um, he does go to the team camps in the summer. He's in the gym. 
he puts forth the effort. That's another thing I tell our kids in the spring when they leave and I know they're going to go to football. I tell them, look, you've made so much progress this year. Whether they have or they haven't, I always say they have. You know, and I try to point out to what they – Point guard so, line. You know, specific <laughs> things, you know, what yeah. they've done, gotten better at. And I was like, but if I don't see you in the gym, it's from February to November. You know, and I said, the football team's going to go far. If I don't see you, like, all of that progress is now you've taken the two steps forward, three steps back, and now you're starting over at square one. And so – that doesn't mean that everything we do is mandatory. It just means you can't be a stranger to to me, to this gym, to your basketball teammates. And I think our kids appreciate that and they buy into it. And like I said, most of them are like on the scale you mentioned earlier, they at least like it. They wouldn't be doing it if they didn't like it. Yeah. A lot of them love it. And a lot of them are like I was. And so they just all they want is coach, you tell me when the gym's on and I'm gonna open and I'll be there as often as I possibly can. And so I want to give them those opportunities. But then you know, like I said, when I go to a baseball game or a football game, you know, I like I cheer louder for that kid that's a basketball and I like intentionally do it and, you know, around their parents and things like that. And it's genuine, too. It's sincere. I really am rooting for them yeah, more than I am. That's good, kid. though. Um, yeah, I just think that that uh, goes a long way. I think we've had a lot of success here with those kids. Um, you know, another guy I look at Bryce Overstreet at Ryan. He always had a ton of success with football guys. You can we would go look at like Denton Ryan. Uh, records when I was at North, you know, Kraft would always send me out scouting his entire schedule. Of course, before yep. the first, the second week of the season was over, so I'm like, yeah, Ryan's bad <laughs> this year. They're down, you know, and like, and so we'd go see him, and then you'd come back and see him in mid December, and they are just killing it, and they're doing it with football guys, and so uh, he's a good model. I always thought, yeah. of. and you would see it in his record, like they would be, you know, he sacrificed wins, knowing that he they were going to be good in district with all these athletes. Um, and so I, that it was just a model of like, it can be done. Like you can have a lot of success. Obviously I don't want to have to pull from entire, like I want to have my, my basketball guys for sure. But, um, I love having a couple of key cogs coming in from football every year. The Jamoti podcast is powered by sideline interactive sideline interactive is the leading manufacturer for high quality, innovative scoring tables and led video display boards that help coaches and schools bring more excitement to fans, create huge fundraising opportunities, and make their jobs easier. Visit sidelineinteractive.com to check out their amazing products. Coach, I want to get the speed round done before I got to let you go here for your practice. So these are quick questions. I feel like I know you, but uh, after the speed round, I'm really going to know who you are. Okay. You ready? Let's see. Yeah. Favorite ice cream flavor? Um, uh, chocolate chip cookie dough. Because you paused right there. Me, huh? You paused. You, you, yeah. you sure about well, that? I, I like cookies and cream too. The cookie dough one is not good for me. I got to oh. stay away from it, but it's my favorite. Greatest shooter of all time? Oof, Steph Curry. It's just just the other night. I mean, they lost, oh. but he hit some ridiculous shots. It's unbelievable. And, and, and what's cool to see is just – how these guys are doing amazing things later on in their careers now. I think it's just a yeah. testament to like really where we've come with training. And I mean, when LeBron spends an, a million and a half on his body every year, like maybe you and I could still hoop if we were doing that. Or that's the other thing I learned from being around coach Witten too. Oh yeah. Just, you know, he would, he, he learned from like Dirk Nowitzki. He and Dirk had a lot of talks about that. And so he's shared some of those stories and it's incredible. You know, That's awesome. Yoga, the hot yoga thing. I might need to get into that. <laughs> Sounds awful. Uh, 
Uh, texting or talking? Uh, talking. I hate texting. <laughs> all right. I'll remember that. Uh, greatest basketball movie of all time? Okay. Um, so I'm one of those people that really likes terrible movies. So it's uh, The Air Up There, the Kevin Bacon. I love that movie. Nuba. You mean yeah. the NBA? Yeah. yeah. Also, uh. this is another uh, – it doesn't really hold up, especially by, like, cultural standards now. But uh, the old – the Michael J. Fox Teen Wolf as a kid. That wow. That was a brawling movie to me. Wow. It doesn't hold up now when I go back and watch it, but definitely yeah. as a kid, that was one of my favorites. I'm on board with the air up there. You you yeah. lost me. I haven't thought of that movie in a long time. Oh, gosh. But... That's the, the coach in that Teen Wolf is the epitome of how not to be a basketball coach. <laughs> it's so great. He's just so apathetic. It's hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. Um, for high school, shot clock or no shot clock? Shot clock. Played in the SBC tournament uh, or in the Houston Christian tournament last year and loved it. Yep. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to do what you did, though, against Midland. Sure. And (laughs) like I said, but as long as there's not one, if it's to my advantage. That's right. That's right. Until they change it, you're not doing anything wrong. Um, Favorite holiday? Uh, Yes, Christmas, for sure. You're up three. You're on defense with seven seconds left. Foul or no foul? Okay. Um, Early in the season, no foul. We practice it throughout the year. Then late in the season, if I've trust my team, we've they've shown me in practice they can handle these situations, and we foul. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Like on well, paper, I'm a foul guy, but yeah, sometimes you got to go. Oh, I don't trust my guys. That's too. right. Better you better either way. You better practice it either way. Yeah. Um, what book would you give someone? Um, so the book I'm reading right now, I love it. The um, Steve Magnus Do Hard Things. I'm almost finished with it, and it's just awesome. Uh, it's one that kind of turns over the traditional tropes of what we think being resilient and tough is and breaks down to what toughness really is. I love, love it. it. Love yeah. that. Um, favorite place to travel? Um, so I'll go I'll, I'll go Greece. That was my favorite trip I've been on. But I, nice. I speak Spanish, so I love going to Spanish-speaking countries. How would you learn that? Um, I did a study abroad in Mexico and lived with a family that didn't speak English. And so I picked it up pretty quick. Wow. That's incredible. Uh, how many cups of coffee do you drink per day? Uh, three. Always three? Always three. Space one, it out. How do you drink it? One at the it? house. Uh, one when I get to the school and then one during my conference period. How do you drink it? Two creams, no sugar. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, last one. I feel, like you're, I feel like you're judging me right now in so, so many ways. <laughs> it did. It did come out. I'm sorry. I was like, oh, man. I Because Wes Watson just said, if you want to be a head coach, you drink it black. And so oh, yeah. that's what he I did. I go mean, to Starbucks. He takes his assistants to Starbucks. Yeah. I you would do the runs to Starbucks and okay. it was it was the I, I came back the most important job. Yeah, I can't and that and making him feel good. That that was my I always wanted like if he came in a new poll, I'd be like, golly, coach, you look sharp. I always wanted him to feel really good about himself. But uh, uh no. drink coffee. And he doesn't. No, he still have more energy than everybody yeah, else. Yeah, That's surprising. No, but um, last one in basketball. Who's the goat? Jordan. I mean, yeah, it's just it it'll, it'll never change for me. Now, personally, my favorite player of all time is Elijah Wan. But wow, okay. But, 
but I never put that above recognizing who the greatest was. And I think that can be different because, like, I'm a Pistol Pete guy, um, yeah. you know, and and I've never heard somebody say Olajuwon. Where'd that come from? So I'm from the Houston area. Okay. And that was right in my wheelhouse. I'm 13, 14. Um, and to me, you know, I don't know if you ever on the, the Bob Sturm on the ticket has his little, his players that bring him joy. And I just, when you watch Olajuwon play, it's just, I he, to me, it's just. That's a cool art. question. It's, it's, you know, it's just, uh, it's just something to behold. You know, his footwork was amazing. He wasn't, there was no one else playing the way he played at that time. And I, I still think what he did would translate now. Yeah. For sure. Coach, I think I just got another another uh, speed round question right there. What player, player did you watch or have you watched that brings you joy? That's good. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. The Jamoti Podcast is powered by Sideline Interactive. Sideline Interactive is the leading manufacturer for high-quality, innovative scoring tables and LED video display boards that help coaches and schools bring more excitement to fans, create huge fundraising opportunities, and make their jobs easier. Visit sidelineinteractive.com to check out their amazing products. We did it, man, and I I thank you so much for your time. I mean this. I've always really appreciated the way that you run your program. Uh, I love how you guys are playing fast and shooting the three now. And but yeah, but also but also the the fact that it. I mean, it's you do run. You run a serious program, but the guys work really hard. And um and and also, man, I learned a lot from you today. I really think the the two sport athlete. The, those tips that you had to that you do to make it a good environment from them i'm not the only one i feel like that maybe struggles in that arena so man really appreciate your time yeah no problem thank you matt i like telling people uh that yeah i think i got a lot of baylor alums a lot of big baylor basketball fans like yeah i, I know coach Samuel. i'll see that they have your book on their their bookshelf or the coffee table yeah i know that guy you know and, uh, <laughs> like so you're you're somebody i can name drop whatever whatever well man i appreciate your friendship and thank you so much for for talking hoops with me yeah no problem anytime Matt. thank you i appreciate welcome to the jamoti podcast we are all surrounded by amazing coaches and leaders so let's get an inside look at not just what they do but how they do what they do after all becoming the best versions of ourselves is jamoti just a matter of doing it